With a better way to start your day, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. It would be much better for you to get up in the morning, look in that mirror and say, today is the day that the Lord has made, and I want to rejoice and be glad in it. And everything that comes into my life today, God, has come through your hands. You've allowed it, good or bad. It's been Father-filtered. So I'm going to leave this bathroom, I'm going to walk away from this mirror, and I'm going to live my life today trusting you that even if I'm faithless, you remain faithful and you will be with me and not leave me or forsake me. That's a much better thing to do. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set When it comes down to it, there are really only two ways to live. One way is to rely on human ability, and the other is to live by God's saving and sustaining grace. Which will it be for you? The choice couldn't be clearer and simpler, and we'll learn how and why on today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're studying the book of Hebrews. And last time we were focusing on reasons why Jesus is superior. Let's go a little deeper now with Pastor Ed. Jesus is the very glory of God. Notice what he says in verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory, the brightness, Jesus is the very glory of God. If you're taking notes, circle the word being right there in verse 3 and right next to it, absolute timeless existence. That's what that word means in the Greek, the absolute timeless existence. He has always possessed the glory of God. We only get to experience now in him, he's always existed. The brightness, the splendor, the brilliance, everything that is worth seeing and experiencing is found in him. He's the creator. That means nothing There's nothing that exists that wasn't created. I was thinking, no planet, no star, no creature, no dimension, no vegetation, no mineral, no element. Nothing exists that wasn't created by Jesus. And he's the very brightness and splendor and glory. He is able to lighten the darkest of days if you'll simply look to him. He's the very glory of God. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 The Bible declares, for in him, speaking of Jesus, dwells all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So by way of review, number one, Jesus is the supreme spokesman. Number two, he's the appointed heir of all things. Number three, he's the creator of the universe. Number four, he's the very glory of God. Number five, Jesus is the exact representation of God. Once again, you're opening up a letter that was written to people that are ready to walk away from the Lord. Maybe that's you today. Because we're not, we're not really tempted by Judaism today, although some might be. But there is always something or someone looking to prey on the weakness of your flesh when you're going through a trial or a difficulty, you're going through life, and you're tempted to walk away from the simplicity of the gospel. 
And the author says, no, 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 no. If you can fix your eyes on Jesus, you will see the great value of his superiority in every realm. And he chooses just eight of them for us to say, no, 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 get your eyes back. He is the exact representation of God. The express image, it says in the New King James, of his person. The idea of that word express image is given to us from the ancient times of of stamping a coin. And the idea behind that word is to stamp an exact replica multiple times. And far being Jesus being a replica, he is the exact representation of God. The Greek word hypostasis, which is a large theological term that's used about the hypostatic union between God being 100% man and 100% God. But for the sake of our study today, the reality of what the author is telling us is that, hey, when you look at Jesus, you see God. Isn't that what he told Philip? Remember as he was walking and teaching the disciples in John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus looks at Philip and he says this, Have I been with you so long and yet you've not known me, Philip? Have we been together so long and you don't know me yet? And then Jesus says, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Number six, Jesus is the sustainer of the universe. The sustainer of the universe, notice in verse 3 again, he upholds all things by the word of his power. This is an important truth because no man, no government, no scientist, no theory, no philosophy holds the universe together. Only Jesus does. God is in control and through his son is controlling the world and moving it forward to a climactic moment of revival and renewal. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, it says, And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Again, in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we also are his offspring. Jesus is superior because he's the only one that keeps things together. Let me ask you a question. Who's going to hold things together when your life's falling apart? Are you going to turn to some philosophy? Is it some self-help book that you picked up? You know, the one that teaches you, get up in the morning, go into the bathroom, look into the mirror and say, today is going to be a good day. Everything's going to be fine. I'm going to speak truth into existence and on and on. That ain't going to help you. You're going to leave that bathroom and face life whether you like it or not. It would be much better for you to get up in the morning, look in that mirror and say, today is the day that the Lord has made and I want to rejoice and be glad in it. And everything that comes into my life today, God, has come through your hands. You've allowed it, good or bad. It's been father filtered. So I'm going to leave this bathroom. I'm going to walk away from this mirror and I'm going to live my life today trusting you that even if I'm faithless, you remain faithful and you will be with me and not leave me or forsake me. That's a much better thing to do because you're speaking forth the truth of God's word. Let's bring it down one more notch. When your marriage is on the rocks, who's going to keep you together? When your kids make decisions and go sideways and they're not walking with the Lord right now, who's going to keep it together? When all craziness happens at work and this time they come to your office, the boss comes to your office and says, I don't need your services anymore and it's time to move on, who's going to keep it together? 
Is it going to be some philosophy? No. Some book you read on handling difficulties? No. Is it going to be you just playing mind games with the whole situation? It's not. Only Jesus Christ can pull together and keep together a life that's falling apart. Which reminds me that there are some listening right now who have never embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have continued to live life the way that you want. God has given you the freedom to do just that, to live life however you want to live life, to be involved in whatever you want to be involved in, to make decisions no matter which way you go to the left or the right. God has given you that freedom and that ability to make free will choices with the life that you have been given. And the question always remains, doesn't it? How's that working out for you? Because from everyone looking on the outside in, kind of seeing it, it doesn't look like it's going too well, even though there are smiles, even though there are the sense of some pseudo-happiness. There's still that inner emptiness in your life, isn't there? I mean, how much money will it really take to give you the kind of peace and satisfaction and security that you're looking for? How much of that fame in your career and what level do you really need to attain to where you finally have that satisfaction in life? I mean, I was reminded of the scripture. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? That was Jesus teaching us. What profit is there in chasing after, like Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, trying to grasp the wind? just grasping after the wind and then come to the end of your life to find out that your life wasn't invested in the things of God. You have an opportunity to express the repentance of your sin toward a holy God, one that loves you and has revealed himself to you, one who is not only your creator, but by faith now can become the sustainer of your life, a power that's outside of your own, a power and a, a knowledge that's outside of your ability to think. By faith in Jesus Christ, your sins can be forgiven. By faith in Jesus Christ, he can give new, new direction in your life. Because number seven, as we find here, is that Jesus is the redeemer of mankind. What does the Bible say? That when he had by himself purged our sins... That's an important phrase, by himself. It wasn't some religion. It wasn't some church. It wasn't some pastor. It wasn't some priest. It wasn't some pope that saved your life. Jesus Christ purged your sins. He is to be listened to and followed. He is to, to get our full attention. The idea of redeeming is to buy back, to purchase. Redemption doesn't come some, through some great prophet or some great religion, or some odd idea of who God is. Redemption comes through a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. Only a perfect person could ever purify and cleanse men from their sins. And Jesus, he died as a perfect substitute for you and for me. I take such great joy in that phrase. I make it personal when I read the Bible. And I, I take great joy as I was reviewing this again, getting ready for our study this, after this weekend, I was just so caught up by the work of God in my life that he by himself purged my sins. That gives great context to where we are in life. Because for 23 years, God allowed me to do whatever I wanted to do. And it didn't end very well for me. And when he interrupted my life and opened my eyes and brought the conviction of sin and drew me to the Father... When I was born again, he purged me from my sins. And I can't help but be thankful for that.
Because apart from Jesus Christ, I'd still be under the weight of my sin. I'd have a lot more sin to deal with. I'd be facing a Christless eternity. I wouldn't have life. I'd still be dead in my trespasses and sins. And so, yeah, maybe I'm facing a difficulty today. Maybe there's a hardship in my life. But you know, I'd rather face the hardship alive in Christ than to have to face a hardship complicated by the weight of my own sin. God is proclaiming to you life today, inviting you into his life. He's not inviting you to become religious. He's not inviting you to a list of rules and regulations. He's inviting you to himself. And that's what he offers to us. He's the redeemer of mankind. When a man or a woman or a child believes in Jesus Christ, the righteousness, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ becomes his. His sins are literally removed. John the Baptist told us that when he saw Jesus coming in John chapter 1, what did he say? He, he declared, behold, the Lamb of God that who what? Takes away the sins of the world. That's a powerful statement because every religious Jew would understand and remember that how God dealt with sins in Judaism was that once a year, Day of Atonement, where the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would take the blood and spread it on the mercy seat on behalf of the nation. And the sins of the nation would be covered to those that were in covenant relationship with God, but not taken away. And they would have to do that every single year. He'll elaborate that later in Hebrews. They would have to do it every year. But with Jesus now, Jesus is our mercy seat, and it's his blood offered by himself that takes away the sins of the world. You want to have your sins taken away, friend. You want to experience the forgiveness of God, both now and for all of eternity. Well, finally, the eighth thing that we learn today. By way of review, number one, Jesus is the supreme spokesman. Number two, Jesus is the appointed heir of all things. Number three, Jesus is the creator. Number four, he's the very glory of God. Number five, he's the exact representation of God. Number six, he's the sustainer of the universe. Seven, the redeemer of mankind. And number eight, he's the exalted Lord and mediator. Notice it says, when he had by himself purged our sins, the end of verse three, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. It is finished. Jesus is sitting down. He sat down. It's done. He's at the right hand, the place of authority, the place of respect. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth, those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And not only that, at the right hand of the Father, Jesus is making intercession for us. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. It's no person on earth is a mediator between you and God. Don't let anyone ever tell you that they are the ones that you must go through in order to get to God. Only Jesus is that doorway. He's only one mediator, and he's interceding for you and me. Intercession is another word for praying. He's praying on our behalf. In Romans chapter 8, verse 34, it says, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, 
who is even at the right hand of God and makes intercession for us. Let me show you one more thing. We'll get there eventually, but for, for today, go over to Hebrews chapter 12 with me. Because the key, when you feel yourself wavering, and the key, when you feel yourself doubting, and the key, when you're, you're thinking that maybe Christianity, I, I talk to people all the time, they'll say, well, Christianity didn't work for me. No, then you didn't experience a true relationship with Jesus Christ, because Jesus is always making intercession for the saints. By faith in Jesus Christ, you don't work, He works. And his work is finished. And the key is to keep our eyes focused on him. God gave me an illustration even this morning. You know, dealing with jet lag, you're up all night. So I was up off and on all night. And I finally got up around 5 a.m., 4.30 or so, and, and just decided to stay up and spend some time getting ready for, or at least spending time to get ready for church. And, and I was immediately faced with this oppression which usually happens when I come back from a trip of any kind, just this oppression. And there's three or four different areas where the enemy loves to get into my head, and I just sat there on my couch in the dark, everyone else is asleep, and I began to focus on my circumstances and the situation. I began to think about it. I began to think about this situation. I began to think about that situation. I began to think about, and then, you know, when you start thinking about things, you got something else to think about. I mean, it was like, oh man, this is not good. And I got this small impression in all of that, sort of like the still small voice of God saying, Ed, you need to start your day in the Word. And I'm like, of course. It's almost like I was thinking, what would you tell the church if they were going through that? What would you tell somebody in your office? So you got to start with the Word. So I open up the Word, and I started off in my devotions. I'm actually in the book of Jonah, and just reading through the life of Jonah, how God was so gracious with him, how God was so loving toward him, how even that big fish was a gift from God, and how the wind was a gift from God, and how the shade over his head was a gift from God. As I began to focus my day on the faithfulness of God, the oppression dissipated. It went away. Because we can't start the day focus on the circumstances. As a matter of fact, we can't really spend a big part of our day focusing on that. We, we need to commit our ways to the Lord. And trust Him with our lives. Like, He is faithful. Even when you aren't the one that has so much faith and doubt starts to creep in and the oppression of the enemy or the craziness of your own mind, however it is the enemy attacks you, you need to start by looking to Him because He's faithful. And He can deliver you much faster than you can deliver yourself. You know why? Because you'll never be able to deliver yourself. You're stuck in your own mind and your own wisdom. And we need a wisdom and power that's from on high. So check this out. Hebrews chapter 12. I can't wait till we get here. It's such a beautiful passage. It comes right after the chapter of faith. And here's what he says. Therefore, this is verse 1. We also, kind of connecting us with the men and women of faith, all the Bible stories, the true Bible stories of heroic deeds of faith, Paul is saying we're just like them. So we also, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we're to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily traps us that we might run with endurance the race that's set before us. And just mark this. It's kind of a pre-study pre to the one we'll do. Looking unto Jesus. Circle that word, looking, and right next to it, staring. It's the kind of word, it's the only time it's used in the New Testament, and it's the 
The definition of this word is the idea of staring and not in any way taking your eyes off. You're just zoned in, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, connecting us right back to chapter one. Jesus is God's final word to us, God in human flesh, greater than any voice came before him and any voice that will come after. And my hope and prayer is that we fall in love with Jesus as we study the book of Hebrews and that we're training and tuning our ears to hear him. You know, when we gather in a time like this or you tune into the radio, God is not training you to hear the voice of your pastor. God is training you to hear the voice of the Lord. And prayerfully, the pastor is exercising the gift of pastor-teacher, which makes this time right now a spiritual time, not just a practical time. I know we're here physically, but God is wanting to deal with you spiritually through the truths of his word and how they transform minds and transform lives. God has spoken in these last days by his son, clearly and plainly. And the understanding of God is now possible by looking to Jesus. He is both the author and finisher of everyone that has placed their faith in him. And it is unfortunate, even with the church through the years, that this message has been muddied and messed up. But we can come back to the simplicity of the gospel and live our life by relationship with him. Amen. Pastor Ed Taylor encouraging us to look to Jesus. He alone saves and will save the one who looks to him in faith. And this is abounding grace. So, Pastor Ed, you've given the invitation to look to Jesus for salvation and for life as well, as illustrated by a personal testimony. But could you help someone do that? by leading them in a prayer and give them some of the next steps to take in their relationship with the Lord? Oh, I would love to do that. So if you're listening right now and you are ready to receive the Lord Jesus Christ by repenting of your sins, and it's going to require you, I I like to think of the ABCs, that you admit that you have sinned against God, you repent of those sins, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you confess him with your mouth. Uh, the Bible says you will be saved. And so today, if you're listening and God has been speaking to you and leading you, and uh, you may not even even completely fully recognize that God was speaking to you, but you've got these internal things going on, these it, it, like God has just been ministering to you, speaking to you, uh, encouraging you, convicting you, and now you're ready. Pray this prayer with me. You could say, God, I admit that I've sinned against you, and I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus Christ into the world to save sinners like me. And I believe he died and rose again so that I might be in a real relationship with you. And I dedicate my life to following you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Listen, if you have prayed that prayer with us, contact us because we want to put into your hands all the materials that we give out here at Calvary Church for those that are new believers. So go to our website and email us through aboundinggraceradio.com, aboundinggraceradio.com, and we would love to hear from you. We'll put, tell us you prayed with us on the radio, and we'll send to you the things that we give out to everyone who responds here at Calvary Church. So good, so encouraging. God bless you. Friend, if you prayed along with Pastor Ed just now, please let us know. That would make our day. 
And you can email us through our website at aboundinggraceradio.com. Catch a replay when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. If you haven't already downloaded the free app, simply search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. Here in the month of February, we've picked out an excellent book written by Roy Hessian called The Calvary Road. In it, he teaches that it's through brokenness, humility, and confession that we can prepare our hearts to receive the fullness that God wants for us. If you long for revival and power in your life, this is a must-read. And we'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. Request your book today by calling us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, the phone number is 877-30-GRACE. If you'd rather not have the book but still want to make a donation, that can be done rather easily at AboundingGraceRadio.com. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.